1: Mogadishu which is over a thousand miles away fly into Nairobi drive up to our hospital it's got a good name in the region and uh, it's got a good name for a caring institution Uh, all the staff are Christians and um, the Somalis are coming for example this particular group um, who are not Christians they're often opposed to Christianity Mm -hmm. in that part of the world and, uh, and yet they're choosing to come to a Christian hospital for their care.
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Dr. Peter Bird could be making a six-figure income by working in his medical field in Australia. But instead, he and his wife have chosen to serve impoverished people by working in a hospital in Kenya. Today, we'll hear their inspiring story and we'll find out what led them to their decision to help people living in a developing country. Peter and Sue Bird are having a chat with Eric Scadabo.
1: I have a... Uh, a background in mission in so far as my, my family have been in mission work for, well, for all of their lives. My parents were in India uh, when I was a child, and then they have done other mission work around the world. In-
2: so you grew up in India, is that right?
1: Yeah, I was there for five years, I think five and a half years, from about the age of, I think, three to eight, along with my brothers, uh, three brothers older than me and a sister younger than me. So... I went to a boarding school in South India where my my father was working uh, in a, a mission hospital in a place called Mysore. So I kind of had a, f- uh, a mission flavor to my life right mm-hmm. from the start. And uh, fortunately, I married a lovely lady who had a similar heart to do mission work. So once I finished my surgical training in Melbourne, it was then a matter of really finding somewhere in, in the world that uh, God wanted us to work. So the process began.
2: And how did you narrow it down to Kenya?
1: It's a good question, Kenya. Well, we, um, as my parents had been in India, so I'd kind of seen India before, and I think in my formative years as a teenager and going through medical school, God, just laid on my heart the continent of Africa, and uh, it's not hard to see why. It's a country that's, that's so ravaged by wars and famine and all, all sorts of Dark things of uh, the spiritual nature, and um, we we really started thinking fairly early on, Sue and I, that Africa would be where we'd we'd want to go. So next, there was a uh, next. We really tr- had to try and find which part of Africa. It's a big place. Mm-hmm. So, right. So we um, we initially thought we would go out and do about two and a half years of mission work. We we kind of said, well, look, let's put our toe in the water. It's we were taking a Two young girls out with us and we didn't really know whether it was going to be something that God wanted us to do for a long time or a short time so we said well we'll go for a short time to start with and uh, to be effective over a short time we weren't going to be really able to learn the culture and the language very very well in a short time so we, we made three three sort of guidelines to ourselves we said well let's try and find a place that in Africa that the, the English is spoken, so we thought, well, this needs to be a maybe a um, an ex-British colony mm-hmm. We also, I wanted to work at least in the professional capacity that I'm trained in, which is a general surgeon, so I wanted to go to a hospital that was large enough so that I didn't have to be doing other uh, medical work, such as a, a, a GP or a physician would do I wanted to be able to work in my specialty, so it had to be a fairly big hospital that had a a separate surgical department and medical department, and so on. And thirdly, we we would we were preferring to not send our children away to boarding school. Mm-hmm. We would have liked to have had them schooled at the same place that we were working. So that we started looking. Once we were thinking about Africa, we started looking into African mission organisations, and Africa Inland Mission International came up as one that was very active in Africa with a. I think over 700 missionaries working on the continent, so we then asked them, you know, what what places do you have, and given those guidelines, and they came up with a place called Kajabi, which is about an hour north of Nairobi in Kenya.
2: Okay, now tell us about Kajabi. How did that place meet all your criteria?
1: Well, Kajabi's um, has been in, as a mission station, it's been there almost a almost hundred years. And um, it was one of the first places that the Africa inland mission early missionaries uh, established and it's a hospital now of of quite a big size it has um, over two hundred beds it has all the different specialties that that I was interested in working with and obviously general surgery and orthopedic surgery had all the medical facilities and a fairly large well-functioning hospital so that that uh, took care of one criteria, mm-hmm. of course it 's in Kenya, which is a an ex british colony, so the, the the national languages are English and Swahili mm-hmm. and thirdly the the mission has its main school based on the same mission station' it's, uh, a school called Rift Valley Academy, which has about five hundred students at it, and our kids were able to go there as uh, day day pupils, so it was perfect for us and it 's really been a, a great fit we 've um, We've really uh, felt that God has wanted us to be there and it was the right place. So he brings all things together uh, for us
2: in this way. Amen. Now tell us about Kajabi. What does that name mean? And tell us about that area.
1: Yeah, Kajabi means place of the wind. It's a Maasai word. And uh, it's called that because it's always windy there. Almost hmm. every day there's a strong wind that blows down the hill. Um, so that's the name of the place. Uh-huh. Um, it's It's about seven and a half thousand feet above sea level in the highlands of Kenya, so it's a relatively cool place. Hmm. If you look at a map, you see Nairobi almost is right on the equator. In fact, Kajabi's about one degree south of the equator, so you'd think, it should be very hot, but mm-hmm. in fact, it's a really good climate. Perfectly perfect for a hospital. Uh, another added uh, bonus is that uh, the uh, Anopheles mosquito, which transmits malaria, doesn't like altitude, so hmm. it doesn't really uh, grow in our area. We, we get patients with malaria from there, but it's very few. So the missionaries who work there and other staff uh, live in a malaria-free zone, which is great.
2: Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah. Now, you've been there and your family since August of 2000? That's right. And are you fulfilled in what you're doing there?
1: Yeah, very much. Um, there's so much uh, to do and... God's really moving in that place. There's quite a number of different ways. Uh, obviously, yeah, as, a, as a missionary surgeon, there's, there's always a tension between just doing the work that's needed but also spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And It's mm-hmm. difficult sometimes to get the balance right. You can be working all day for you know, 12 to 18 hours just operating, for example, and mm. not really getting to do much by word of mouth. No, that's okay I and mean, people will look at you and see the, see that what you're doing and why you're doing it but but also in preaching the words important and that's always attention at a hospital like well, any hospital work i mm-hmm. think is a hospital worker but uh, there are plenty of opportunities to do that we we do outreaches at the hospital to various places and m- most of the missionaries working there although they have their what we call their day job for me it's a surgeon we have other projects that we get involved in uh, around the hospital and she'll so probably talk a little bit about what she does um, mm-hmm. down in the valley with uh, with a feeding program down there, and and uh, I get involved with other things like Bible studies uh, for a, a local Kenyan high school, some boys there, and uh, and other other mission activities, uh, missionary activities that we do.
2: Now, you've been there, as we mentioned, for several years. What impact do you think you're having there, and the hospital in general?
1: Right. Um, the hospital is evolving. It's firstly the hospital. It, it's it's um, initially started as a, a primary care facility, uh, but it's built up into a almost like what we call a tertiary care centre. So it's receiving difficult uh, referrals from all around Kenya, even from countries around Kenya, and uh, it has a very big impact in that way. We we're getting patients now who come from countries like Sudan to our north, Somalia to our north. Uh, They come, particularly the Somalis, they come and use our hospital almost as their own. So Mm. it's not unusual to get a patient who flies down from Mogadishu, which is over a 1,000 miles away, Mm. fly into Nairobi, drive up to our hospital. It's got a good name in the the region, and uh, it's got a good name for for a caring institution. Uh, All the staff are are Christians, and um, the the Somalis are coming, um, Mm. for example. This particular group... um, who are who are, non, are not Christians? They they're often opposed to Christianity mm-hmm. in that part of the world, and uh, and yet they're choosing to come to a Christian hospital for their care. So that's a real ministry opportunity mm-hmm. for us to to reach that people. And and there are other groups too that come. The Maasai, for example, in the in the valley to our west, many many Maasai are coming to our hospital. And uh, that particular tribe in Kenya has been closed to the gospel for a long time, but. There's been a real awakening in that tribe There's hundreds and hundreds coming to the Lord and, uh, hmm. and a lot of that has been through the activity of the missionaries With our mission And there's some very exciting stories about uh, you know, Witch doctors who are coming to the Lord and things like wow. that it's, it's really, um, it's really uh, great to see the Spirit moving that way
2: Well, that sounds exciting Can you end our conversation here with one story That'll kind of illustrate what you're talking about?
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess um, one that stands out, and at least in this last year, and I've had quite a number like this, is Hmm. a a young man who came down to us from uh, Somalia. He'd been involved in some sort of gun battle, Hmm. uh, which is not unusual in Somalia if you know its history. It's really a a country that hasn't had a a government for probably 15 years. It's it's run by warlords. And uh, this man came down after being shot in in the abdomen. And he'd been in Somewhere in in Somalia for probably about eight months, he'd had about four operations, none of which were really the right operation for his for his injuries. And the, the place, uh, you know, Somalia doesn't really have a good medical system at all. Hmm. It's not really a good functioning hospital that I know about that, that of any real expertise. And so this man had had four operations as they tried to save his life, but he eventually was uh, airlifted to our hospital and um, when he arrived he was literally skin and bones he was almost dead Hmm. he had uh, bowel contents leaking out of his abdominal wall and it was terrible he was in a mess and we almost didn't operate on him thinking that he wasn't going to be strong enough but this man uh, Ahmed he uh, pulled through the operation I took about four and a half hours to do a very major surgery on him and he survived that and and really he's he spent about 4 to 6 weeks in our hospital and he was able to hear the gospel through uh, a pastor working uh, particularly with that group and and uh, although he hasn't made any decisions yet for the lord he's he's going to have to have another big operation uh, early next year and uh, you know we'll be praying for him and that's the sort of case that we might get maybe once a week hmm. and uh, and you know god's bringing these people to us and he has obviously a, a love for everybody and it doesn't matter what tribe, what race, what religion he loves us all and and uh, really this, the, this group of people, the Somalis in particular are seeing something about Kajabi and I think they they don't know it but I think they're seeing the love of Christ there.
2: Wow, that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing with us.
1: okay.
0: That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Dr. Peter Bird, who has been serving for several years as a missionary doctor at a hospital in Kajabi, Kenya. Next, we'll hear from Peter's wife, Sue, and she'll share how they came to adopt a Kenyan baby. That and more when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Today, Eric Skadabo is chatting with Peter and Sue Bird, who have been serving for several years in medical missions in Kenya. Before the break, Dr. Peter shared about his work as a surgeon at a hospital in Kajabi. Now, it's his wife's turn to share about her life in Kenya. Hello. Hi, Sue. How are you doing today?
3: Good, thank you. Eric, how are you?
0: Really
2: Good. Good. And, uh, wow, it's wonderful to hear about the exciting things that are happening there in Kenya, in Kajabi. Right. And, of course, Peter just shared about his work as a surgeon
3: mm-hmm.
2: and how they're ministering to people in that area of Africa.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now we want to find out from you, what type of work are you involved in?
3: Well, at the moment, uh, I think my main job is being a mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, we now have four girls uh, of different ages, and that's been a very busy task for me, this, especially this last year. Um, I don't know if you heard, we, we've actually adopted a baby Kenyan girl.
2: Yes, how did that come about?
3: Well, she. we have three girls and our youngest was 18 months mm-hmm. old and we are in Kenya there. And um, this little one-week-old girl was brought to our hospital. She had been abandoned at birth mm-hmm. uh, and the midwife had kept the baby. But when she was a couple of days old the baby somehow got a burn, and we don't know how. So it was about the size of an orange, um, and it was on her hip. Mm -hmm. So she was brought to the hospital, and Peter said to me, he was her doctor, he needed to do a a skin graft to cover the burn. And he said to me, there's this one-week-old abandoned baby girl in the hospital. And I think God just worked in my heart, because I immediately said, well, we'll look after her. Hmm. And then it was like, oh, what am I thinking? But I just felt this baby girl, we need to look after her for a little while. And uh, I knew that my children were on school holidays and that for a month I could look after a little girl because we already had nappies and uh, baby blankets and baby clothes and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we did that. We looked after this little baby girl called Joanna. And uh, the, the problem for us was we became attached to her mm-hmm. and she was a lovely little baby. And uh, it, it then became a very long... A story for us as we then prayed about what to do because we hadn't intended to adopt uh, a Kenyan baby mm-hmm. but um, I think for some reason God brought her to us and it's been a, a very long process this last year but we've now been through uh, the Kenyan uh, government system and uh, we've now officially adopted Joanna as our own fourth daughter so that's been very exciting. Mm, wow. Yeah.
2: And how are the daughters responding to that?
3: Well, they've they've been very positive all along. Uh, my older two are teenagers, mm-hmm. and then there's a big gap, and, and Elizabeth is now three. And all three of them really love Joanna, and they the older two have been such a great help right from the start with her, helping feed her and change her mm. and all the rest. So uh, it's been wonderful.
2: I'm curious to know how is that viewed in Kenyan society? Are they positive about that?
3: Actually, yes. I find that, um, in fact, I think almost every Kenyan I've talked to says that that's a wonderful thing you, you're doing and thank you and that kind of thing. People are, are happy that, um, that people are coming and, and caring for their abandoned children because in Kenya there are many AIDS orphans. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the statistic that is quoted is a million Mm. But there are also thousands of abandoned babies, and it's very sad. And I think there's poverty and, and so many issues. But uh, anyway, it is a common problem that females, and possibly some of them young, are, are having babies and, and then, you know, abandoning them. Mm. So um, there is actually a lot of adoption happening in Kenya now, and... Um, that's what the experience I've had is that people have been very positive and grateful.
2: Hmm. Now, Peter was sharing how originally you were just planning to do probably one or two years. Right. And now here you are several years later <laughs> and
3: adopting a baby. <laughs> right, yes. Well, it's amazing. I think for me, I find a little bit hard to see the very long term. Mm-hmm. And I work in small small blocks of time. So I know at the beginning we said, well, we'll go for two and a half years mm-hmm. and... Then when we were there, when we'd been there about two years, we thought about it and prayed about it and we said we think we need to extend. So we stayed until three years and then we prayed and we decided we needed to come back. So we had a six-month furlough and then came back and somehow God's leading us on that way. We've just now had a short break in Australia and we're going back. So uh, I don't know the end point, but God does. God knows what he's doing. So we're trying to just follow (laughs)
2: One step at a time.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: now, what is her name?
3: Um, she's Joanna Zawadi. Zawadi means gift mm. in, uh, in Swahili. And the, the midwife who took care of the baby those first few days, he named her Zawadi, which means mm. gift. So we've kept that name.
2: Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah,
3: so she's, we call her Joanna, though, mostly.
2: <laughs> now, I'm curious to know, will she have a Australian accent or a Kenyan accent?
3: Well, it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> I think she'll have an Australian accent, but uh, we're also surrounded by American missionaries in Kajabi there, so she'll pick up a little bit of American. Hmm. And then we have um, a Kenyan helper at our house and, and many Kenyans around, so she'll get a bit of Kenyan as well. So I think, uh, I think she might get the lot.
2: Hmm, there you go, a multicultural <laughs> child. Yes. Well, she's truly blessed <laughs> there. Now let's talk about some of the other things that you're involved in, some projects.
3: Yes, well, uh, and it's particularly more before Joanna came on the scene, I think, because my life has been very busy this last year. But um, when we first arrived in Kenya, there had been a bad drought for about three years. Mm-hmm. And I got involved uh, down in the valley. We we live up on the, the escarpment, and down below us is the valley floor, the rift valley. And so what we what we've been doing now for a number of years is going down into the valley where there are some really some of the really poorest people Hmm. down there, and um, some of them really struggle for food every day. Uh, And Although it does vary a little bit, sometimes there's a good crop and and people are able to feed themselves, um, but others aren't aren't able to grow anything ever. So So we go down there about once a month, and uh, it used to be more often, but we go down there about once a month now, and sometimes we um, share something from... From God's word and and uh, encourage the people and preach a bit, uh, and we give out maize and beans, and that's been a um, an important ministry. Hmm. And it's we've um, gotten to know these hundred to two hundred people quite well. And then what's been a bit harder for me is that those people feel very connected to me because we've been down there and I've gotten to know some of them. Mm -hmm. So they often have medical problems or monetary problems or things they can't handle uh, because they have no money at all. So they come to me asking for me to pay for their medical bills or uh, pay for their child's school fees and this kind of thing. So uh, then, then that becomes... Uh, it always forces me back to praying and hmm. saying, "God, what do I do this time? Should I give them the money they're asking for, or or what?" So that's that's been quite a big challenge for hmm. me.
2: Well, I'd imagine because the needs are limitless.
3: That's right. That's yeah. right. And so it's it's something I've always struggled with living in Africa. There, you think that the need is endless. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I help this one person, or do we just retreat? Or you know, it's very hard to to work out what the balance is of. Mm-hmm helping, and then the, you get the, we get the problem of dependence then. If you help everyone, mm-hmm. then you have a flood of people at your door, and, and uh, there doesn't seem to be any easy answer, mm-hmm. um, but we do feel God's put us where we are, mm-hmm. and um, somehow He's going to continue to lead us on, but uh, sometimes it does get quite challenging, but it does throw us back to prayer every time.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was curious to know what impact this move to Kenya has had on your family.
3: Well, I guess it's a big impact it's it 's always a big deal leaving home and family and friends and school and all of those things and I think uh, I think I've learned something about the differences between males and females
2: that mm. oh, please we, share
3: <laughs> we have many females in our family, and I feel like the females have struggled with just leaving home and leaving security and and that's been hard and mm-hmm. uh, it's been wonderful this at the moment to come back home to Australia and just be with family and friends again and and visit the places and people that we love uh and so that's a that's a sacrifice to leave those things but um i think for our daughters we've we've gone over to kajabi Mm -hmm. and we've they've felt pretty settled there and there's a good school there and they now have more friends in kajabi kenya than they do back home in australia Mm. in their school school friends um so it, it has affected them they've sort of got american accents a little bit and
2: Oh, uh, wonderful. Have,
3: <laughs> they have a very different outlook on life, I think. They've they've learned more about the, the people who don't have as much as we have in Australia.
2: So they enjoy it there? It's been a positive
3: experience? I think so. Experience? Yes, they do enjoy it there.
2: That's great. Yeah. Now finally, how can we pray for you and your family?
3: Oh, thank you. Well, we always appreciate prayer. Sometimes we feel like it's a, a spiritual battle over there. And um, like I've mentioned to you, those challenges I come across, with mm-hmm. people wanting money for this, that and the other and just um, praying about what, what should I be doing and uh, prioritizing my time. So I guess we'd appreciate prayer for wisdom mm-hmm. and f- for um, strength and endurance. Uh, Peter can, at times works very hard uh, and then our four children themselves have been have all had their own issues. I've got two toddlers these days so just uh, for patience and uh, all of those kinds of issues, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, we want to be in the centre of God's will. We need to be. We need to know what He wants each day, and and be be good witnesses for to Him, you know, to His love to others. So uh, we'd appreciate prayer for that as well.
2: Thank you so much, and we encourage everybody to pray for the birds over there. Dr. Peter Bird and his wife, Sue, and your children, what are their names?
3: Uh, Sarah is our oldest, Mm -hmm. and Melanie is the second one. Then we have Elizabeth, who's just turned three, and Joanna, the the young Kenyan one, is 18 months.
2: That's right, your adopted daughter. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing today.
3: Thank you very much, Eric.
0: That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Sue and Peter Bird who have been serving for several years in medical missions in Kenya. And at this point, I'll let you in on a little secret. This interview was actually recorded over 10 years ago. But even though many things have changed, like the age of their children, what has not changed is their heart to serve others in Kenya. Peter could have been making a six-figure income by working as a surgeon in Australia, and Sue could have been enjoying a comfortable life living suburbia. But instead... They've been serving impoverished people in Kajabi. And as the Bible says, each of us should use whatever gift we have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Well, thanks for joining us for Peter and Sue's inspiring story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I'd stop believing and got at that stage and went on a quest into different spiritualities right right there in, in the boarding school. And that that was probably the hardest time in my life. I just wanted something more and, and to know that I had some reason that I was alive and existed. So any, any young guru or professor who claimed to know more than anyone else, I'd dig into every book I could find. Yeah, they became my obsession for a couple of years or so. Jonathan Gabbard is a young man who has gone on quite a spiritual journey. He has dabbled in New Age mysticism and explored several philosophies, but has found his home in his faith in Christ. We'll find out his story next time. The Story, story. just another way vision is connecting faith to life.